0: Good morning. You guys say, thank you to, to Pastor Joey. He has done a ton. Thanks. Uh, as he got on the ground really to oversee families, everything from birth to high school graduation, uh, he has really stepped in with the goal of making everything secure, uh, you know safe, kind of bringing all the curriculums together, working with the teachers, training uh, he's done a ton. and so we're really excited about the things we're doing in family ministries. And so I'm very grateful. Today, we're going to look at Proverbs 31. If you want to turn there, uh, as, if you were here last week, uh, you got to hear what it looks like to be a godly man. And we said that we're going to, we're going to spend the week in Proverbs on men and then a week on, in Proverbs on godly women. And so Pastor Matt got up here and said that what he had was a, a tough challenge because of Culture and all the, these kind of these discussions swirling around about what manhood looks like today, so I'm glad that he got the tough one, and I was able to take the layup on women, right? And so no problem, right? There's no cultural debate about all that, right? And so I want to start with a main idea, and then I want to give you just some things to think through. So a godly woman is a follower of Jesus, a lover of her husband and a faithful mother to her children. Her beauty, value, and image are found in Christ alone. Her beauty, her value, and her image is found in Christ alone. This is not what culture says to us, right? This is not what we grow up thinking. This is not how we grow up acting. But as we, as we read through this today, I want you to see that there's a lot of talk about beauty, but it tends to have nothing to do with an external appearance. There's a lot of beauty derived in being a godly woman. And so Proverbs is going to take this, and if you're, if you're a woman who's been in the church for any amount of time, Proverbs 31 is probably familiar to you. And so you hear this and you know that there's some of these things, but I, I want us to look at the values given This is going to be heavily applicational today. There's more notes than I normally put up, but they're all in your app if you have the app. If not, we can get them to you. You don't have to write frantically. We can give those to you. Um, But this is going to be a lot like how we did community groups last week, where now there's a lot to unpack, where there's a lot going on, a lot of things to take away, and then in the living rooms that we all meet in throughout the week, there's going to be things to ask questions and just say, okay, how does this relate to me? And so as we go through this, just understand that we're in the midst of kind of a culture war, that there is a a large cultural conversation going on around the idea of gender. And what the Bible says about gender comes from the perspective of God's design for gender, not from cultural norms. And so when the two clash, our challenge is to default to what God has to say about either men or women women. All right. So I'm going to pray one more time and we're going to get to the Bible and ask God to speak. Jesus, will you come? Will you speak? As Pastor Joey said, I, I, I would like to fade into the background somewhere. And Jesus, I'd like you to be in the foreground speaking because you are the word of God. You're the word of God who became flesh. You entered into human history that we might know God. And Jesus, you gave your life for us. You rose from the grave to overcome all that binds us and holds us back, and you have ascended to be seated on the throne to reign and to rule, to lead and to guide us. Pour out your spirit on us today, that whether we are men here listening and learning either that about uh, how to care for our wife, how to raise our daughters, or maybe if we're single, how to Look for a good wife. Maybe just appreciating the godly woman we have in our home. If we're women that are here today, God, may they hear that their inherent value comes through you. And it doesn't matter what their dress size is or what color their hair is or how old they are. Their value comes from you. Jesus, help us as a church to move in this area. Lord, and it's gonna be a fight against our culture for sure. So it's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Proverbs 31, we're gonna start down in verse 10. And it starts off like this: an excellent wife who can find. She is far more precious than jewels. So we know who's writing this, Solomon. Now, who's he writing it to? His son. So Proverbs 31, if you've been taught, if you've been taught this passage and you've been told it's this this passage being a Proverbs 31 woman, you've heard language like this, understand it wasn't written, written to women. It was written to a young man. It was written by a father to a son. As Solomon is writing this to his son, he's saying, listen, this is what I want you to seek after in a woman. And so Solomon is writing, and as we've said, wisdom is best acquired by listening and learning, not by making your own mistakes. We've talked about parents. Listen, we want for our kids that they would not make the same mistakes that we do. We want for our friends or for our family members that they would not make the same mistakes that we have made, that they would take our injuries and our mistakes and our failures and that everyone around us would learn from them rather than have to go down that road themselves. And so there's a father writing to a son saying, and, and just imagine that son is coming to that point in life where he may be looking for a bride. And his father is telling him from the years of wisdom that he's had, from all the mistakes he's made, from all the things he's done, well or not. He's saying, let me, let me tell you, an excellent wife is what you're looking for. A godly wife is what you're looking for. And they're not always that easy to find. And so an excellent wife, one, is an extremely important role for a woman and should be aspired to. An excellent wife should be the highest value to a man Second only to his faith. And an excellent wife is really hard. Uh, it, sorry, I reworded that. Really hard to be. There are or really hard to find. There are not a lot to choose from. And I say that I, there's not a lot of good, godly women to choose from, just like I would say there's not a lot of good, godly men to choose from. Culture has reordered what this looks like, has taught us different things about what this would look like, and what it's done is narrowed the field for us. And so good godly women are in short order, and and good godly men are in short order. And so last week, we spoke directly to the the men, and we said, listen, this is what God is calling us as men to be. Now, ladies, today, I'm going to really aim for you, but men, I want you to hear this. Men, if you're married, this is how you were to care for your wife and, 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 and walk with her, that she could become like this. You're, if you're raising girls, this is what's important, that you were to raise young women to look like this. And if you are a young man without a wife and you hope to one day have a wife, take notes, right? Because culture would tell you to look for a lot of things, many of them, which will lead you down a path that may not be, well, would not be as fulfilling. And so here's what God would say to all of us what a godly woman looks like. Verse 11, the heart of her husband trusts in her and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. So where does this proverb begin with what a godly woman looks like? We're teaching us what it looks like. And really, it points us back to a homeward orientation, that women would have that orientation towards their home. Now, I'm just gonna gonna preface this with whether you're career women or whether you are a stay-at-home mom, you homeschool, um, you work, you don't work, all across the spectrum, we're not eliminating any of those things. So whether you're the one who has the great career in your home, whether you have a desire to go on to have a large career in your life, all those are fine. In fact, it's going to speak to that in just a minute, but that there is a natural inclination that a godly woman will have a homeward orientation, that she will have an orientation towards her her husband, her home, and towards her children. And so it says the heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. He will be better for having a godly wife. And it says she does him good and not harm all the days of her life. This is an old tweet from Matt Chandler, but he posted this a while back. He says, wives become experts on your husband's strengths, not simply a noticer of his weaknesses. Become an expert on your husband's strengths. Become an expert on your children's strengths, not just a noticer of their flaws. Verse 13, she seeks wool and flax and works with willing hands. She's like the ships of a merchant. She brings her food from afar. And again, there, there are no prohibitions. There's no, In fact, there's not even a, a hint of saying women shouldn't work. Uh, as it works through this, we're going to find that actually this woman they're speaking of actually does a ton of work. And as it gets into not only her homeward orientation, but she also does things out in the community and outside for work. It seems to be this woman in Proverbs 31 generates an income. And one of the ways she does that is that she works with her hands, that she creates wool and flax. Now, we don't talk about flax much anymore, but fabrics. She creates these fabrics. She sews clothes for her kids. She makes things for her home. She does something. And, and it would appear that this woman in Proverbs 31, the example being used is this is almost like her trade, that other women might do other things, but this is the woman, this, this seems to be the trade for this woman. It says that she seeks wool and flax and works with willing hands. She's like the ships of a merchant. She brings her food from afar. She provides inside of her home by the hard work of her hands, Proverbs 14 says this: The wisest of women builds her house, but folly with her own hands tears it down. Wise women, godly women, build up their house. Do it. We have one more slide, right? Yeah. Can I have the next one, please. Scripture calls women to have a homeward orientation and values them greatly for their role. Our culture has lost this and tends to devalue women who are wise. Who place their focus on being wives and moms. If you choose to stay home and not have a vocation, not have a career, not take on whatever that might look like, if you choose to do that, that's fine. That's great. Our culture would tend to undervalue that and say that that's kind of leftovers from a patristic society and a patriarchal culture. But a woman with a homeward orientation who chooses to spend her life being a wife and being a mom is of great value because she understands that those priorities of home are her greatest value. And so whether you choose to work outside the home or choose to remain in the home, either way is fine. But knowing that that place, that that is a primary focus for you is what, is what Scripture speaks to that that home rises and falls on the wife and or mom. Verse 15, she rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and portions for her maidens. She considers a field and buys it. And with the fruit of her hand, she plants a vineyard. All I hear here is a really hardworking woman. I've had that experience of, both my wife and even growing up with my mom where they were the first ones up and they were making things and getting food ready and when we were kids getting off to school that, uh, that our parents or my mom would get up and she would make things and she would prepare them that we would have everything we need for the day and she was up ahead of us and, and then and I remember even uh, uh, even with Lisa... As she had her own career, I remember as I would get up early and head out to work, she had gotten up and had made breakfast. She had done so many things for me. And then she would go on about her own day too. And then somehow it all came together. And all I see here is a hardworking woman, a woman with a work ethic that is just incredible. And this value of loving and caring for her home. Then she says also she considers a field and buys it she's out in the marketplace with the fruit of her hands. she plants a vineyard she is out there both in the marketplace and in the home this woman that Solomon is writing about and he's telling his son listen when you look for a wife I want you to look for a wife who just who does have this homeward orientation but her gifts are not limited to that that she is gifted when she's out in the marketplace she's gifted with her hands she is gifted with the things she creates whether that's uh, with the wool and the flax, or by planting, whatever she's doing, she is a gifted, hardworking woman. And there, I know there there are so much. There's so much diversity in here. I know we have homeschool moms. I know we have career women. I know that we have this, and I and I know that there is uh, oftentimes a distinction made here. And, and I would say that there is uh, a clear path towards a godly woman, no matter what that looks like. No matter whether she chooses to work or chooses to remain home, whether you public school, private school or home school, all those give options for the woman in that situation to be a godly woman in her setting. And so again, I don't want you to hear that there is one cookie cutter way and that this is it and this is the only way and if you're doing it some other way that this isn't you, then I don't even believe that Proverbs 31 paints us that picture. It does give us a woman who is focused on her home, who is focused on her husband, who is focused on her children, but then it also shows us that same woman working outside the house and doing well outside the home in the marketplace. And so a woman can be more than one thing. In fact, I would suggest most of you women are more than one thing. That you are not just defined by one thing. That you are not just a career, or not just a mom, or not just a wife, or not just your home, but you do many, many things. In fact, I would say this, it would appear that men, although they have the role of husband and father and worker and whatever else, men seem to me more focused, more singularly directed Women seem to have their hands in more things. And even as this is laid out, even as this picture is unpacked in Proverbs 31, this woman does a multitude of things. But the thing I keep seeing that is common with this woman, and no matter all these things she does, her home is a priority to her. That that family that she calls her own is a place where she finds great value, great joy. And great responsibility. Verse 17 says, she dresses herself with strength and makes her arms strong. So for you CrossFit women, here you go. Right? There's your strong arms. No, she dresses herself with strength and she makes her arms strong. So seriously, we're going to start seeing some things that are going to note the appearance of women. It's going to note the beauty of women. And notice that it isn't the things that we tend to say. It's not... It's not a waist size or anything else. It's not, it's none of those things. Lisa and I, it was, a, it was a long time ago. We came out of a really large church, one of the largest in Orange County. And when we were there, we were there as it was younger and growing, and, and we get to see a lot of things. But it was, it was the first church in Orange County that was really noted for college students, for reaching young people. And as we were there, we did a ton of college ministry. Being in that church was kind of like being in a large college ministry, but there were thousands of college students. And so our community groups, the time we called life groups, they were just filled with singles and college students. And, and just this was where we spent a lot of our time. And as we planted in Huntington Beach, as we left that to plant, uh, really our our ministry in the church that we planted was was filled with a lot of college students. And so... Doing college ministry in Huntington Beach tended towards, we had some of the most beautiful young men and women in a just a gorgeous group of college students, if you will. And I remember my wife and I sitting there, and I I it blew my mind as I would look around at these young women who were beautiful, they were smart, they had every advantage in life, they were most of them we're coming from homes that had a good income and solid families i mean we just as we looked at them you would think okay that's what every young girl wants but as we did ministry with them we found out that these women had some of the greatest image issues eating disorders uh, just the lowest views of themselves and from the outside especially if you're a guy who's just really unfamiliar with the things that women go through, and I and just looking from the outside, I was baffled. How could she have an image issue? How could she battle with an eating disorder? Why are they all on, like, antidepressant meds? Like, and what happens is, and, man, I, I think it's just hard for us to figure this out. What happens is we realize their image has nothing to do with how they look. But it's just much deeper inside that they've bought into so many things that culture has told them. And what culture has told them is they need to be better than they are no matter who they are. And so they internally create and derive this understanding of who they are supposed to be. And it rises up within them and whatever it is, they don't measure up. And as we, would, as we would meet with these young women time and time again, we would just find that how far away from who they truly were or they, they, how they viewed themselves was so far away from who really they were was bright young women, smart, with lots of advantages, beautiful inside and out. And it reshaped for me, I guess, just an understanding of what some of you ladies go through just in a in a probably a very surface or a very external way. I say all this because we have we have a need in our culture to redefine beauty. We have a need as a church in this culture to redefine beauty. So with that in mind, When it says she dresses herself with strength and makes her arms strong. It is going to use a lot of words that point to her beauty. None of them, none of them noting external looks, really. So she dresses herself with strength. She makes her arms strong. Verse 18, she perceives that her merchandise is profitable. Her lamp does not go out at night. She puts her hands to the distaff, and her hands hold the spindle. The distaff and the spindle were the ways of making wool and putting these things together to make larger fabrics. And they would start with, again, there wasn't a fabric store in every corner, and they couldn't go and do this. And so really, everything being made from scratch, that she would do all these things. But it also says she perceives that her merchandise is profitable. She's intelligent. She has a business mind. Right? It goes on to say, her lamp does not go out at night. She's wise, she's prudent, she's thoughtful, and she's prepared. That she has done all these things, and she had to do them by hand. That this is back in a culture where things were simpler, but for sure harder. And that this woman somehow was able to manage all these things. For most of you women, you're like, yeah, that's kind of what our day looks like. But she finds a way to do this and be prepared so her home is in the place where it's secure. Verse 20, she opens her hand to the poor and she reaches out her hands to the needy. There was a point last week where Pastor Matt, when he was talking about godly men, and he talked about strength, and I thought it was a really unique view and really good and true view on strength he says something to the effect i didn't write it write it i did write it down then i actually took that note but i'm going to butcher saying it so i'm just going to say this that that men's strength that a godly man when exhibiting strength really is about blessing those around him caring for and serving those around him that that's a strong man and i know that this was in a separate part of what he said last week but then i saw this in your story about paul he told a story about a, a man who had lost his son And the strength that that man showed at the time of the memorial service, at the time of talking with Matt, and the strength that that man showed poured out on everyone else. And it just reminded me that a strong man, really a strong man is strong for others. A strong man that's only strong for himself is just selfish. But that there is this aspect to generosity in both a godly man and a godly woman, that it says that a godly woman is also generous. And if we could just back out of that for a minute and just, just think of this as not a, a list of things that either women are or are not, because really that's not what we're talking about. Pastor Matt made that example last week that we're not aiming at strength, we're aiming at Jesus. And as we aim at Jesus, we find ourselves to become strong. We're not aiming at character, we're not aiming at integrity, we're not aiming at these things, we're aiming at Jesus, and as we aim at Jesus, we become the things that he has called us to be. Women, this is no different. The gospel is, is simple in its essence, but it is profound in its implications. It's this. It's that God created us and loves us. That God designed you. That God designed me. That God created us. We're not some random chance happening of science, but that God designed us. And that he created us with a purpose. And he created us with a design. That he knows that how, how we best function. And so he loves us and he has given that to us. And unfortunately, you, me, and everyone else in human history has gone against that. So much so that now it is very incredibly counterculture. these things that we can say today. And this is true every week. That the things that we say are so counter to the culture because the culture has moved so far away from God. And that happened long before us, but we have jumped on the bandwagon and added to it for sure. So sin has entered into human history and severed that relationship between God who loves us, God who created us, and us. And so God in his benevolence and his generosity and his mercy and his grace, God enters into human history. So Jesus becomes flesh. Jesus enters into human history and lives the life that we are called to live. He dies our death in our place. He pays the penalty for our failure. And he begins this process of redeeming us and bringing us back into relationship with the God who created us. So God, in his essence, is generous. God, in his essence, is loving. God is merciful. God is gracious. And so when we encounter that gospel, that, that transformation that, that Christ entered into human history that we might have, as the gospel becomes or begins to take root in us and becomes applied to us and as it transforms us, it calls us to becoming like Christ. And so women, the same thing, as we aim at Jesus, these are the things that happen. And one of them is that we become more like we were created to be, become more like Jesus, and in this sense, generosity. Jesus, who is God in the flesh, didn't have to come to save us. We, we had chosen our direction. And each one of us know this. We have chosen our own way. We have chosen to go against God. And if it wasn't for the generosity of God, we would still be there. But through God's great mercy and love and generosity has come and brought the gospel to bear on us that we might be transformed to become like him. And so one of the outpourings always of the gospel, whether you're male or female, is that we become generous and giving, grace-filled, merciful, forgiving, because we become like the God who loves us. The verse says this, she opens up her hand to the poor, and she reaches out her hands to the needy. A godly woman imitates God in her generosity. You have that note? godly woman imitates God's generosity by caring for others in need. Verse 21, she is not afraid of snow for her household, for all her household are clothed in scarlet. She makes bed coverings for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. I love this, says she's not afraid of the snow. She doesn't fear winter, right? I know, I, know, I can hear it too, winter is coming, I got it. So She doesn't fear the winter, right? Now, we live in Southern California, which means we pay an exorbitant price to live here. And what we pay for is good weather, right? So right now, 50 some, 60 something degrees, and this is winter, right? If you've ever lived out of state, that's not winter. They don't let us call this winter, but we get to because we pay for it, right? Okay. So think you live somewhere else, like all the poor peasants that live out of state, right? That just live in other places with snow and seasons and stuff, right? Now just take away your car and your heater and all the amenities that we have grown. And just imagine 3,000 years ago, living in a place where you know winter is coming and snow is coming. And it's not just coming for a day. We're like, oh, look, it snowed, right? It's cute, it's pretty. It was going to saturate your ground for months to come. And it was going to freeze the things that you had planted. And it was going to dry up everything that you need to live. What it's saying is a godly woman isn't afraid of that because she's been preparing for this. She knows how to look down the road and figure out these are what's coming. And then it says this, For all her household are clothed in scarlet. She makes bed coverings for herself, right? Her family has enough clothing to be warm in the winter. The beds are warmer because she has provided that for the winter, and her clothing is fine linen and purple. The next slide. A godly woman beautifies herself and surroundings because she loves her home and her family. That she not only provides for them in needs, but she takes pride in that. And the things that she does, she makes beautiful because she loves her home. She loves her husband. She loves her kids. And she takes pride and beautifies herself and everything around her for her love of them. Verse 23, her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. The idea here is that because she exists, he looks better. I know a lot of you men. And you look better because of her, for sure, right? Right? The fact that you're wearing shoes that match are half a miracle, right? I mean, like, like there's a reason that we get married, right? And that we are made better. Now, I, I'll tell you, I have a pet peeve, and, I, and I've, I've had this happen, obviously, as, as pastors and as elders in a church. We do a lot of marriage counseling. We do a lot of, a lot of counseling with couples, right? And, and nothing, nothing irritates me more, uh, and this happens even outside the counseling setting, but when a spouse will come in and run down their spouse in any kind of public setting, and I don't raise my voice a lot. I, I uh, When I get mad, I get more stern. Or when I get irritated, I'm more stern than I am loud, but I remember one day I had to go out and apologize. I think to Cindy was in the other room, and the staff was in there, and I absolutely yelled at a dude in, our, in my office at, for like 45 minutes straight I think I wish this were a joke anyhow so but it felt really cathartic to be fair I was having a hard week it really was good but when he opened his mouth he put her down and she was sitting right there and then when she spoke she put herself down and I wanted to close the distance and strangle this dude we just leave it at that right and so I literally finished, and every time he opened his mouth, I just got closer and closer and louder and louder. And I told him, no one talks about my wife like that, ever. And you never talk about your wife like that. Ladies, same thing applies. Gossip's not cool, right? And I, ladies are not the only ones that do that, gentlemen. But getting together and going, oh, my husband keeps doing this, my husband does that." like, that's not cool, right? Like, you honor your husband. So that when others see him, they think better than him. Think better of him. That because you exist, others value your family more because of how you speak and how you honor them. Proverbs 12 says this. An excellent wife is the crown of her husband, but she who brings shame is like rottenness in his bones. An excellent wife is the crown of her husband, but she who brings shame is like rottenness in his bones. That uh, says enough on itself. Ne- next slide. A godly woman honors her husband, and her husband is known as, good, as a good man because of her. It says when that man goes out to the gates where the elders sit, they think good of him because of her. That his image is better because of his godly wife. Verse 24, she makes linen garments and she sells them. She delivers sashes to the merchant. Strength and dignity are her clothing. She laughs at the time to come. Again, there's a lot of business inferences in here as she takes things out to the marketplace, as she knows their value and their sale, as she creates and generates something for her home. But it's also, I love that she says, she laughs at the time to come. She is optimistic. She has planned, she's prepared for the winter. She laughs at the time to come because she has done her job. She is prepared, her home is prepared for whatever comes. And there's no rule on who's the planner. And really it's kind of how we're wired and who's the one who pays the bills and who's the one that does this and who's the one that does that. There's no rule on who's supposed to do that. Clearly in a marriage, we're supposed to take these things and divvy them up and make sure they get done. But I love that this godly woman has thought down the road. And she is optimistic about her future because she's prepared for it. That she has prepared herself. She has prepared her home for the future. Verse 26 says, she opens her mouth with wisdom. And the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She is wise. She teaches others. She teaches her children. She teaches uh, uh, others outside of that. And I would say, as as Scripture speaks to this, there is uh, a recurring and important one that older women teach younger women, right? That you who are not older is just older than the person you're speaking of doesn't have to be a specific age group, right? But that the older women would teach younger women. And I've heard the stories uh, time after time of women who have poured into other women. And I also was able to speak to one of our uh, one, one of the people who had been here two or three times just last week or the week before, and. And then a college student that's been coming to church here, and I got to go to a community group. We drove to community group together. His, he goes to Biola right by my house, and so we rode together. One of the benefits that we have as a church, and one of the unique attributes we have as a church, is we're not one generational. We're just not one generation. We represent every generation rather equally, in a sense. That there's seniors, and there's... There's folks, you know, you know, kind of like uh, baby boomers and Gen Xers and, and millennials, and there's kids, and there's marriages, and there's singles, and there's those engaged. Just We have this unique, diverse diversity in age. And, and the name Generations, as a church, it comes from, it is a nod to those folks that paved the way for us, right? That before we were generations, that we were built on the shoulders. We stand on the shoulders of the generations that came before us. They paved the way that we could be here They are the ones that that provided for us that we have a church, that we have a ministry, that we can meet in a building, that we can do those things. They did that. And then they've entrusted us to reach the next generation. And it says, a godly woman opens her mouth with wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. So a godly woman is wise, understands scriptures, and values kindness in her speech. Next slide. The effect of a quarrelsome wife. The opposite of this. A continual dripping on a rainy day and a quarrelsome wife are alike. To restrain her is to restrain the wind or to grasp oil in one's right hand. By the way, all those verses say something just like that. There's a lot to be said on that. Just like there's a lot to say about laziness, slothfulness, foolishness. For men and for women. Verse 27. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. Ladies, if you want to know how you're doing, if you would take some of these attributes, just look at your family, just say, okay, where am I at with this? Husband, do you do you feel like I make you look better or worse? Kids, do I, do I encourage you to do the right thing or antagonize you or, or whatever? I like, ask your family. Not, don't ask your family in the middle of an argument or something maybe, but maybe time it well. Maybe after a good meal, right? I'm always got a better answer after a good meal. But sit down with those who love you and those, those, those are your family. It's like men, men, we should sit down. Our wives, again, should know us inside and out. Like, where are we with this? How are we with this? Verse 29: "Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all." Now, Solomon is writing this to his son. We've been speaking to you ladies, but Solomon is writing this to his son. And he's saying, "Listen, when you go out and when you go find a wife, when you go find a bride, you're going to marry someone. You're going to spend the rest of your life, your life with her. You're going to raise a family with her. That this is one woman man. That's what the Bible calls us to be—a one woman man. Right? Right? Yeah. One woman man. Let's, let We should probably go over that again and again. We. The men are called to be a one woman man. Right? That's what Timothy teaches us. That we are called to have one wife for a lifetime, raise a family." That's who we're called to be. And and he's sitting down and he's explaining this to his son. He says, listen, many women have done excellently, but you surpassed them all. You should have eyes for one woman only. You should have a space in your heart for one woman only. And women, this is not dependent upon whether or not you do this or don't do this. This is our call anyways. But don't you want to hear that? You know, there's a lot of excellent women out there, but you surpass them all. There's a lot of people out there. You're the best. You're mine. You're it. A godly wife. If you are married, this is how you should feel about your wives. If you are unmarried, this is what you should look for in a wife. Note that all these attributes of beauty, all these attributes of being excellent, none of them have to do with an external appearance. Young men, a good lesson to learn. Next slide. Proverbs 18, he who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. That word favor is like the word grace. Obtains grace from God when you find a good wife. Verse 30, charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Finally, we get to some external things, right? And not in a great light, necessarily. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. The intention of this verse is that beauty fades, right? And that that these things that oftentimes we place all our value in are the things that won't sustain anyhow and can't sustain us. That beauty must be derived, value must be derived from Christ alone. And that Christ will create that character in us that will sustain a lifetime. Proverbs 11 says this, beauty without virtue is like a gold ring and a pig's snout is a beautiful woman without discretion. There's got to be a Kardashian quote here somewhere, but I don't have one, so I'll just leave it alone. All right. Verse 31, give her the fruit of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates. Give her the fruit of her hands, give her The things that she has created with her hands and let her works praise her in the gates. I'm going to close with two things. A godly woman is worthy of great honor and praise. Men, a godly woman is worthy of great honor and great praise. I don't know how to do a message on women and just not aim at you guys as well. I just, here's what I need you to hear. When you're walking down the street, you and your son, your wife, And that girl who's not wearing a whole lot walks by and you turn your heads. What have you just told your wife and your daughter and your son about what's valuable in women and what is to be pursued? You're you're working, a backup one? You're working against this, that a godly woman is worthy of great honor and praise. But when you go home And you honor your wife to your children. You honor your wife to the community. And you praise the woman God has given you. You pursue this. And you hold this high. Next slide. We'll close with this. A wife is a blessing. A godly wife is a gift from God. House and wealth are inherited from fathers. But a prudent wife is from the Lord. Ladies, be that woman that God has created you to be. Always with your eyes on your home. Always knowing that your value, your worth, and your beauty is created from Christ. Let's pray. Jesus, we find all that we are and all that we need to be in you. <clears throat> and just like I'm never going to be taller or anything else, Lord, I, uh, those, we get the hand we get dealt. But our character can be transformed. Who we are inside and how we treat one another, how we love those that God has given us, how we raise children, love our spouses, uh, serve in our church, work in our community, all those things are variables that we can control. And when I say that, I mean that our character things that are transformed in you. We place way too much effort on the external God, the thing we really have little control over. And we don't play nearly enough value, on the character, and Jesus, you transform us to be like you, men and women alike, you transform us to be the way God has created us to be, God is a man, I just, I just want to admit, we have done damage to women in our culture, Uh, we have created the culture they live in, and we have told them the lies that they believe. And we've ruined the image of beauty. Let us as a church, in pursuit of you, correct the damage that's been done. And may women begin to know that their image is found in you. Jesus, we love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.